Hey guys, welcome back to Opinions and Unrated. I'm Anna. And I'm Charlotte. Today we're talking about eating disorders, disordered eating, unhealthy attitudes toward food, diet culture, how and why we're influenced specifically by our parents, specifically our mothers, yeah. um, and how it is just being passed down generation to generation, and specifically how... Um, eating disorders are used as a form of violence against women. And I'm excited to delve into this one because we haven't actually specifically spoken about this since our very, very first episode. We're going right back to our roots here. To be honest, I think especially because we put up the polls again, the response we got was amazing. And I know we say this every time. Mm. Response was amazing, but like this time... It response was, was amazing it was truly like we've never had this many written responses like it's quite easy to tick a yes box or a no box yeah. usually many people get involved which we always appreciate but the amount of people that took out time to write answers in question boxes to dm us separately to send us anonymous messages was just brilliant it was great so thank you thank you so much for thank that thank you um i think to be honest the first time we addressed this topic of beauty standards mm-hmm. it was quite like a shallow response not in the fact that we didn't do research or we didn't delve into the history of it yeah but we were also quite inexperienced yeah and i agree we were i think we were limiting ourselves i think we really were limiting ourselves because as we've said before we were really afraid of saying something a bit controversial or having people question us because we wanted just to be able to say something and everyone to sort of just accept it because yeah. it was the first time we'd ever put a podcast onto the internet we really wanted our first one to be accessible and for people to like it and for people to agree with us to pave the way for more obviously but i think what we what we understand now is that nothing is ever black and white it's often very gray it's often very nuanced and there is not really like usually when we put a poll up I think there's a right answer and there's an answer I don't agree with. <laughs> but for a lot of these that we've put up today, I could very easily argue both sides. I yeah. can see why people would vote one or the other. And I think there's just a lot to delve into. I want to ask you, because this was sort of inspired by a book you read. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? So I read this really, really amazing book called Meat Market, Female Flesh Under Capitalism by Laurie Penny. And I'll put the link to this in the in the description because I do yeah. recommend that you read this too. It was only about 60 or 70 pages. It was very short. It was just like a big essay. And it focused on um, female sexuality as social capital, eating disorders, particularly amongst women, um, class struggles amongst women. Yeah, It was very, very interesting. It was a great read. But the chapter that really sparked this episode was the chapter about disordered eating. Mm-hmm. Laurie Penny shares her experiences as a teenager with anorexia, but she also talks on a larger scale about like how anorexia and eating disorders in general are actually very linked to misogyny. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think, well, we, we understand that eating disorders largely link into a sense of control, yeah. maintaining control. But I think we tend to write off an almost baby woman to a, to a sense. Women who suffer with eating disorders and be like, oh, look at you shrinking yourself down so mm. Jared will think you're attractive. Jared. And I don't know why Jared came to mind. But and do you know what? I will say that if that is the reason you are not nourishing your body in the correct way that is still completely valid and that doesn't make you pathetic or stupid you know a problem is a problem yeah but then on the flip side i don't think that we acknowledge a lot of the time that there aren't women who are trying to adhere to beauty standards they're actually trying to reject that when you exist under patriarchy and capitalism as a woman a lot of your autonomy is completely stripped from you yeah and this can be sort of a twisted form of rebellion Mm. maintaining control twisting the beauty standards becoming almost grotesque becoming you, what they what you know they don't want you to be pushing it an extreme of what an extreme. is quote unquote desirable yeah exactly you're taking that beauty standard you're turning it upon its head and you're pushing it as far as and it can go yeah you are you're completely pushing it to the limit and you almost feel like it's on your terms and i think it's important to acknowledge that people who want to change their bodies and disordered eating is a way in which they achieve this it is not always so they can become palatable Mm. sometimes it is a rejection of the notion that they have to be palatable i think i think what is like nuanced about this conversation is that it does come in lots of different forms and so many forms of eating disorders are completely pushed aside which i think we can get into later but right now with you know the um, conversation around anorexia making yourself smaller i think it can maybe start off as 
oh, here's a quick little fix. I want to be yeah. more quote-unquote palatable. I want to be more comfortable in the patriarchy by making myself the beauty standard. But then I think it can spiral into something mm-hmm. more because every article I read about, you know, the mindset behind eating disorders, specifically restrictive eating disorders, and how, um, you know, like, what is the reasoning behind it? What is the psychology behind it? Every single doctor and every single article I read said it was about control. It is, yeah. It's about gaining control. It's something that you can control in your life. If everything else is going to shit and the one thing you can control is what you're eating, yeah. it's almost like you're testing your self-discipline to like the limit. Yes, completely. And I would like to raise the point that, as Aleph said, a control can be the largest factor and it isn't always about body weight or wanting yeah. to be skinny it can just manifest itself into food is an easier area easy area to control or you perceive it to be anyway yeah. and then that can become super obsessive and even though you think you're in control are you in control or are you being controlled yeah and the answer is obviously not that you're in control thing is it is it is an addiction yeah at this point in the same way that self-harm is an addiction i I guess yes it's a it's a mental illness but in the sense that like you know alcoholism is also an illness but it's an addiction right you're addicted to the control that you feel when you're harming yourself in the same way you're addicted to the control you get when um you're restricting what you're eating yeah completely i'm always hesitant to give personal anecdotes in these conversations and this is weird in itself because i am definitely someone who's had really shit eating patterns yeah very disordered one particularly when i was young at a very crucial stage in my development i was not eating enough i was over exercising and you know it just for years it did not go well for me at all and my mindset was so i cannot stress to you like how much i would just dread waking up every morning and knowing that i'd be faced with the same issue day in yeah. day out yet i'm still hesitant to say that i suffered because i never saw a doctor mm. i never was diagnosed with anorexia or bulimia no one ever told me that but it should be enough that i know that my life was dictated by food yeah but there's such a hesitance to you know identify these problems purely because they're so normalized but also because there's this whole thing like oh if you've not got not got a diagnosis it's not valid yeah and obviously self-diagnosis can be a problem if you're just like labeling things left right and center that they're not but it is important to listen to yourself and when what seven out of ten of our listeners have struggled with disordered eating the chances are you will too the thing is when you um when you don't realize that you have a problem or when when you know you have a problem but like mm-hmm. it's not labeled it's very easy to just like forget about it yeah, or like not label off. yeah write it off not label it as a problem but once you've given it a name and you said like no this is actually an illness this is actually an yeah. addiction then you kind of are forced to confront it a lot more yeah. and i think that is where the reluctance to call it an eating disorder to call it like oh i have an unhealthy relationship with food i have i have disordered eating I think that's where the reluctance comes from because that you have you actually have to address it. You do. I think And you don't want to, do you? No, because you can very happily live with that sense of control, with that sense of routine, that familiarity, but you don't have to confront the fact that it's going to be really negative and have horrible effects on your body because once you've stuck the label of an a, an eating disorder, a named eating disorder onto it, yeah. you have to confront the fact that, you know, your organs are going to be in trouble you can't do this and that you're going to see doctors you might die yeah but there's glamorous or glamorized parts of eating disorders that you can just cling to when it's just sort of a part of life that you've incorporated into your daily routine without any you know thought or challenge i think it's really interesting the way that um obviously i i want to say it's less like the thin spo age of things but i Mm -hmm. really think it's just like changed yeah i think it's just taken on a different disguise yes like particularly through tiktok through pinterest like when you look up perfect body on pinterest you know the body that comes up yeah we all know and it's just i think it's really interesting because we love to say we're in this movement of body positivity everyone's realizing and i think there is a lot more consciousness surrounding it now but it doesn't change the fact that people are still saying i want to be like cassie and effie from skins and like oh my and that whole aesthetic of it because it's the aesthetic of the eating disorder that is appealing right rather than the hair falling out your organs actually shutting down you're never going to be able to reproduce ever again like yeah there is the factor of death yeah that we that isn't addressed when you're glamorizing it and things and so i think it's just interesting the way that you know we say that we've moved past this but really it's just taken a different form completely I think it used to be way more overt 
in the past in that you would i think tumblr was a huge huge catalyst for it you could open tumblr and you would literally see thin spo as in really really like collarbones or really like thin particularly women but just people in general yeah and that would be your motivation to be unhealthy so you could achieve that or you'd see fat spo yeah and that would be your motivation so i don't want to look like that but I think we have definitely spoken about this before, but there have literally been people who are just like dancing on TikTok or just putting pictures on Instagram of them existing with a body. And then sick minded people have taken it and put it on destructive sites and destructive forums yeah. and been like, everybody look at this fat, disgusting person. Don't be Starve like yourself this. so you don't look like them. How damaging is that to that fat person, you know, quote unquote fat person, especially if they're struggling themselves? I think it's really interesting because I think there are two ways that people um, deal with low self-esteem. Well, obviously there's lots of different ways, Mm -hmm. but there's the one side where, you know, you project it onto other people and you like pick apart other people and say, don't be like this, don't be like this, disgusting, it's disgusting. And then there are people who turn within themselves and are like, you're disgusting, you're disgusting. I think they can come hand in hand, but I think it's interesting that some people genuinely like take the effort to project it into mm-hmm. the world and some people like consciously turn it in towards themselves well as someone who was very very in on themselves and just beating myself down it never failed to baffle me people who i knew were in the same boat as me seeming appearing to be so mean yeah i've literally had people like tell me that it's easier to hate you or to hate other people than it is to hate myself exactly I mean, we asked our listeners if they think that disordered eating is glamorised, and 87% of people said yes. I mean, I think the general consensus clearly is that we really, like, put... I I think the problem is we put certain eating disorders or certain body types or sufferers on a pedestal, Mm. and I'm specifically talking about anorexia nervosa here, as in when we are having a conversation about eating disorders, it's very easy to put this, you know, poor, sick girl who has a conventionally attractive body type onto the pedestal. Who needs to be saved. Yeah, exactly. There was a really good response that said that um, because the girls have eating disorders in the movies are always considered the prettiest, um, we, we automatically think that it's something to be desired. E.g. Regina George and Mean Girls. Yeah. Yeah. That was what they said specifically. I think that's a good example. It's easy to, as we said, look at this poor, you know, pretty, societally attractive person and be like, oh, look at them. Do you know what I mean? The reason I'm reluctant to say Regina George is because she is technically the villain in the movie. True. So it's hard to feel sympathy for her. But people also love her and she's pretty. She's really pretty. I know. I know. But I mean, as a viewer. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, I'm leaning more towards Cassie from Skins, where you think like when it is more of like a oh sid come save her like she's so like weak and she needs to be saved and it's like a yeah that's kind of what i'm leaning more towards but the problem with that is that it was just literally giving viewers tips on how to harm themselves with with within eating disorders but then again on the flip side okay then do we show it in all its horrors do we show someone leaning over toilet bowl throwing up yeah do we show that is that too much is that triggering but, so but I how, feel like, how do we portray it effectively? I think that if you're going to show the bit, if you're going to literally give tips, like there is a scene in Skins where Cassie's basically like showing Sid how she gets away with not eating. Yeah. And literally a tutorial yeah. on how to have an eating disorder. I think if you're going to go to that extent, you should be going to the extent where you see her, where she's lost her period, where her hair is falling out, where her she is literally on the brink of death. I think if you're going to show that kind of stuff, you should be showing all of the horrors of it as well. Yeah, agreed. No matter how triggering it is, because you have to pick one. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to discuss eating disorders in length, you're going to have to preface it with a trigger warning. You're going to have to accept that it's triggering content because it really, really fucking is. This really brings me on to the point that I don't think a lot of people understand. Like, a lot of people make fun of like, oh, you don't have trigger warnings in the real world. But when you're someone with a slightly, even a slightly unhealthy attitude towards Mm. food and body image you can be triggered so easily and i'm speaking from personal experience here it would not take a lot to ruin my entire day the way i was thinking the way i was feeling and it's because you've got this like issue just bubbling under the surface constantly if you don't confront it and heal and go into recovery which a lot of people cannot do literally half of people with eating disorders will never recover it's 50 percent of people they will never recover but when you've got this thing bubbling under the surface all someone has to do is remind you of it and then they've resurfaced your problem probably not even on purpose and it's it's not really their fault a lot of the time but there you go but i also want to discuss the thing where people are like 
triggers are your own responsibility like your own which okay here's the thing i do agree with that yeah i do think that if you're going on a public thing like tiktok and i don't think you can be in the comments of someone saying why didn't you put a trigger warning because i don't i i disagree with that i don't think that is fair because at the end of the day it is a public forum and people mm. are putting what they can within reason i understand within reason but also i think to an extent that is your responsibility you are choosing to open the app you are in responsible of when you should close the app when i hear people say you're irresponsible for your own triggers i think that should apply to your personal life as in the people around you yeah as in sorry no 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 i meant the opposite as in that applies to the apps you're choosing to open when i think it doesn't apply is the people around you when you have to say to the people you love and say by the way you're doing this it's triggering me you can't like remove people from your life all the time sometimes you just have to say you are triggering me can you like step away like yeah. please don't that's a hard conversation to have though because especially when it's family like sometimes you, you know your parents or your siblings they don't understand especially if yeah. they don't have first-hand experience and they think they're helping you and they want to help you a lot of the time and it's really hard to sit down and have a conversation with somebody especially when they're doing they are doing their best they're just it's just the wrong approach sometimes I think it's I think it's weird with family because I don't know a lot of the time if they're trying to help. I think they're just oblivious. Yeah. And like for instance, I I always try and I've like been doing my best. I've cut off people even to just I've always had a good relationship with food, luckily. But I always still make a conscious effort to make my surroundings and the people in my life as non-triggering mm-hmm. and as healthy as possible so I can maintain that. That is why I have a good relationship with food because I've gone through the effort and the length to filter out things in my life that I don't need that aren't helpful to me yeah but family how do you filter out family and so I've said I've said to my family like I don't care if you're on a diet can we just not talk about it at dinner yeah. like can we do you have to talk about the calories you're eating at dinner like is that a necessary thing even though I'm not like in the I'm not struggling with an eating yeah. disorder it's still important that you create like a clean little like like a safe space at yeah. home and if you have to say to your parents like do this in your own time don't talk about it in front of me I still think that's like a step you should be taking. Yeah, completely. And it is really hard, especially when it's so normalised for just a member of your family to be like, oh my God, I haven't eaten since yesterday. Ha ha ha. Yeah. That's not really funny to me. That's not funny to me. The thing is, I think the main influence, and I'm talking generally, the main influence um, with eating disorders within families is the mum. Yeah, because and I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to pin it on all mothers because I know it's. I know no. it's not like that, and it's not a blaming thing either. Because obviously, mothers are are targeted by patriarchy and misogyny, and there are so many more factors that would make them more hyper aware of their body and have the need to project it onto others. But that's what I mean. They've grown up in a way more saturated diet culture than we have. Yeah. Yes, we have diet culture, but like their generation of diet culture is on a different level. Oh, completely. They were told like they they grew up with fat phobia injected into their veins. They know nothing else Mm -hmm. and so it's hard for me to blame them and say you're passing eating disorders down onto your daughters and your sons but you quite literally are you are but like it's it just doesn't it's just it's not their fault that they've also been brainwashed it's not their fault that they've been brainwashed but when you have a child it is your responsibility yes to be aware of the influences you have on them i mean i think we'll address this in a minute but we had so many people on the polls just telling us about the effect that their mother's diets mm-hmm. and their mother's oh are you sure you want to eat that you know it's the little be. comments yeah it is the little comments that really really can wear you down especially it's like oh you're gonna go on a run today you haven't been in a couple of weeks yeah you know even if it could actually come from a place of concern as in you need to go on a run you know might be good for you to get active yeah but that's not how it's presented a lot of the time especially when i think also with family they can really focus in on your body as in they mean it in the most complimentary way Mm -hmm. but i'll see a grandparent i haven't seen in a few weeks and i'll be like oh look at you you're getting slim Mm. i don't want you to comment on my body but how do i set a boundary to a 75 year old like how do i do that you don't to be honest you don't you don't bother you pick your battles pick your battles if you are in a state to do so I think grandparents are particularly tricky. Parents, you do kind of have to set boundaries. Not boundaries, but sort of like, can you not, please? Like, just... But hopefully it should be easier to do that with a parent than a grandparent. Yeah, because grandparent is a whole different generation. There are another generation. <laughs> but um, we asked our listeners, do you think the way you were raised can contribute to an eating disorder? And 90% of people said yes. Yeah. Because I know that so many people are affected by their mother's attitude towards themselves. And so if I ever do have children, I really, really want to make sure that like... I don't comment on myself yeah. because I don't want to influence my child to think that they should have to comment on themselves. Completely. Because 
children, like children, you will reflect what your parents do, right? Family, familiar, you do what you are taught because your parents are your survival system. Like we, that's what we are taught. That's that psychologically, we do what our parents do to stay alive. And so, if you see your mum nitpicking at her cellulite, you see your mum nitpicking at her fat, you're gonna think, oh, I should do that. I should nitpick at that. Yeah, completely. We had an amazing response from a listener that we love. We love you. Um, And I also want to address like how different cultures um, can like see weight and body image and the way that can influence it. Yeah. And basically I'll read the whole message because she articulated it really well. Um, But when we asked, you know, can the way you're raised um, influence eating disorders? She said, so my family is made up of two very different cultures. My dad's side of the family is Italian and my mum's side of the family is English slash French. Since I was about three until I was about 14, I would go to my Italian grandparents' house for a massive meal. When I got to age seven or eight, I was having multiple courses of adult portions of food. That side of my family was proud of how much I, I, I could eat. My dad died when I was around this age too, and I always felt a strong need to hold on to the Italian side of me. Therefore, I carried this pride of my food intake with me everywhere, no matter who I was with. However, the other side of my family, um, especially English and South African granddad, were set on me eating healthier, exercising to get slimmer. My granddad would force me to go on runs or bribe me to get to do exercise so that I'd get slimmer. Not to mention my peers in the media are constantly telling young girls to get skinny. So yes, the culture clash in my upbringing caused a bad relationship with food and my body image. I think that was a really, really amazing anecdote to summarise the clash of attitudes and how confusing that can be Mm -hmm. for an eight-year-old. When you've got one set of people that you trust and love very much proud of how much you're eating and telling you to enjoy the food and to celebrate it and make it a social event and the other side of your family or group of people who you also love and respect equally are saying "Mm, come on go on a run yeah like watch what you're eating watch what you're eating too much isn't it yeah i think it throws into the mix even more that like her dad died around that time yeah obviously you would feel a really strong connection to your italian culture and you would want to hold on to your your food like you said and so when another family member like the other side of your family is saying like let go of that let it go mm-hmm. it can feel really i don't know you i mean it would feel it would feel isolating almost as if you were getting a part of yourself stripped from you yeah and this is the thing like food isn't just as much as people like to dumb it down for their own sake so they can you know be unhealthy in an easier way food isn't just food to a lot of people yeah food is culture food is social food is you know enjoyable it can bring you joy it can you know enhance your evening or what whatever you're doing and when you lose that as well that can be really really upsetting yeah. especially if food has held an important part in your life your family's life like losing that does feel like losing a part of yourself and i think this is the problem with eating disorders in that you lose a lot of your identity and then you know because you've lost so much of your identity Mm -hmm. you feel like you have to forge a new one and then your eating disorder is your identity that's all you are which is even more damaging yeah how can you how okay so you've already lost your identity within food right yeah and then now you've developed a bad relationship with food and your identity has now become your eating disorder Mm -hmm. how are you supposed to recover from that that's another part of your identity that you're supposed to strip away from yourself yeah I think in this conversation of culture and food, I think it's really, really ironic the way that... Okay, so for instance, in in um, in other parts of my family, it would be a bit weird to be... Not weird, but it would just be like... It would be commented on if you were really skinny. You'd be like, yeah. what, your skin and bones? Why aren't you eating? Da, da, da. Um, and so I think it's interesting that in the West, where supposedly we have the most resources, um, poverty and starvation is supposedly at its lowest rather than you know in third world countries and yet we are the culture that promotes starving the most yeah i think it's it's so weird isn't it it is so weird and obviously indicative of the luxury that we Mm. get to choose whether we eat or go hungry like we get to choose to go hungry that that's a choice we can make and it's not obviously it's not a choice that we make a lot of the time it's a choice that a voice in your head or a standard makes for you yeah but it's still something that is considerable to us you know what kind of gives me gives me hunger game vibes yeah you know you know like in the ball where um they they eat and then they take like a drink to make them throw up so they can eat more yeah 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 
it's you can odds. It, it is really weird also hunger games as in the rich districts can choose to send a couple yes. off and have a couple of them die just for the entertainment of it they don't need to do that whereas the really really poor districts mm-hmm. they need the they need the income they need the attention they need the popularity they need a sacrifice for the good of everyone and the rich districts they train for it like they get yeah. excited for it it's really odd back to the conversation about which eating disorders get the most coverage or not um one um binge eating gets no coverage whatsoever it's seen as disgusting and ugly and not trendy unlike um anorexia another thing boys eating disorders are so normalized because of bulking and like gym and it's so because you're going to the gym it's seen as healthy but there are boys who like obsessively count calories and you're gonna tell me that's not an eating disorder it's if you if you've got like irregular patterns or unhealthy attitudes towards what are you putting in your body or what you're doing to your steroids body. literally yep. taking steroids okay so i know i know boys are our age take steroids but like pretty powerful pre-workout game stuff right so like people like they're putting stuff in their bodies obsessively like they are measuring out food they're ca- like calorie counting but because it's for the gym and because it's for bulking up it's not considered an eating disorder but if i told you a girl was calorie counting you would be like no oh, that's dear. awful yeah but because a guy's doing it to bulk up, it's not an eating disorder. It's absolutely mental. Literally less than 1% of all eating disorder research focuses specifically on men. This is the problem. It is hard to get a full picture. And it's very easy for us to say, well, of course, um, eating disorders disproportionately affect women. We know so many more women that are struggling. and But there is a space for women to talk about eating disorders that there isn't for men. Yeah. And so there are literally so many men that aren't diagnosed. We have no idea how many men have eating disorders. So it's quite hard to make a valid comparison. In fact, until very recently, one of the criteria to be diagnosed with an eating disorder was... Anorexia specifically. Anorexia was for you to lose your period. So the only people that could medically be... The only people that could medically be diagnosed with anorexia up until recently were cis women. Yeah. People with periods... And like you fit like as a man, you physically couldn't qualify to be diagnosed with anorexia nervosa. How mental is that? That's insane. This is what we mean when, and the thing is, because eating disorders present themselves so differently in men. Yeah, and there's literally so little research on it. It is so hard to notice the warning signs. And the one like positive thing, if there is a positive at all amongst this absolute train wreck in eating disorders with women, being so widely a problem Mm. is that there are a few warning signs that i think most people would pick up on yeah i mean from that point onwards like we're shit at knowing what to do with it yeah but you'd at least notice wouldn't you what do you do this is the thing i think in this description we will put helplines and we will put resources that you can go to in your own time but as we were saying earlier it's so hard to confront the fact that you have a problem and i will tell you again from speaking from first-hand experience you don't want to get better there is nothing you want less than people to help you get better even if you are so miserable you want that sense of control that you've become reliant upon because it is an addiction that form of self-harm do you think it's also part of yourself like as as like a victim complex within yourself yeah that you feel like that in that moment of weak quote-unquote weakness when you're harming yourself like by restricting what you're eating do you think a part of you is like you feel sorry for yourself so you want to do it more from personal experience absolutely yes obviously you can't speak for everyone no i'm not i'm not speaking for everyone but personally yes i think there was definitely a whole like big bit of oh poor little me i'll have more of a valid problem if i continue in this way yeah but then again when people were starting to come to me and be like we're worried like what what, what's going on yeah i'd be like i'd be like almost angry i'd be like no leave me alone get out of my business no yeah. yeah and like i'd know like you'd know you know you do know but you just choose to ignore that the thing is we say it with other mental illnesses as well like anxiety and depression unless you want help no one is like you're you're not going to accept help like you can't help people who don't want help yeah and it's specifically eating disorders people they don't want help because like it's an addiction you're you're in this loop of self mutilation almost you're starving yourself um and so yeah so how do you give help to people yeah i guess it's a mindset change that you need to get from professionals which is why we will link help plans yeah. in the comments it is so yeah 
it is so hard to fathom that there is a world outside of this because this becomes so all-consuming yeah your life revolves around what you eat and when you eat it is so hard to fathom that there was a life before and there will be a life after there will be a day where you can sit and you can eat and you can be happy because you don't you you feel so detached from that part of yourself you feel like you've lost it but there is and you have to be willing to accept the hardships that will come in order to achieve that end goal ultimately in that you've got to be prepared for the fact that it's going to be fucking hard like no one said that recovery was going to be easy and it's probably one of the hardest processes ever because you see your body physically change in ways that you were trying so hard to avoid you feel your mindset change and you know there there are like for me personally one of the weirdest things that i didn't think would have such an effect on me is every time you know when you're a bit hungry you get like a hunger pang in your stomach and you're like oh that's time to eat lunch do you know what i mean every time i get one of them even months after i decided to you know improve my mentality i'd get this sense of pride wash over me i'd I'd feel proud oh i've let myself get hungry yeah you'd be like this is what i was trying to achieve and it took a while to really like unpack that and really be like this is not something that my body should be like the first reaction to getting hungry was me thinking oh i've succeeded how it's it's tragic i think the most terrifying part of all of this is that it's on the rise like this will just continue to become more and more of a problem as algorithms on social media become more voracious do you think so i i think so i mean since 1999 there's been an 80 percent rise in the number of teenagers admitted to hospital with anorexia yeah uh well but i just maybe they maybe it's just being more like maybe people are just being admitted for it now maybe it was happening and we weren't noticing yeah that's true i think that's definitely a problem but i mean i mean i think it's a natural response when you're becoming increasingly aware of these standards and these expectations and things we we always talk about how it looks like things are getting worse but all that's happening is the masses are becoming more aware, especially as they're being given these yes. brilliant buzzwords to identify something intangible that they've just been distinctly like sort of like aware of their whole life. Like eating disorders are like a very violent expression mm. of trauma where your body is being appropriated as a market resource and then you're sort of becoming in turn, you know, social capital, right? Explain that further. There are many ways in which women's bodies are commodified. I think the most obvious one is sexually. Yes. When sexuality is social capital, it is something that is desired after. It is something that we are conditioned to want and to want to give. Yeah. From the ages of children, from pre- from being prepubescent. But I think another way in which women's bodies are commodified is through thinness, is in wanting to shrink yourself down to you know fit through a lens and in this way your thinness is just a market resource to patriarchy to society your thinness is a fulfillment of patriarchy and of expectations and of society and what is expected of you as a woman and then when you're so aware that you have to fulfill all these things and these are the words of laurie penny here there's something very paradoxically feminist about the violent inverted logic of eating disorders a desperate and deadly psychological stand-in for the kind of personal and political freedoms we have not yet achieved women and girls who have been denied their own autonomy are going to find a way to reclaim that and it often represents itself in this very self-destructive rebellion of beauty standards which we were talking about earlier um there are people that just destroy themselves in the pursuit of this kind of ironic victory mm. it's like victory but at what cost you've rejected this standard but at the cost of your own health and it's now like you're you even worse off you, like you feel a sense of pride yeah it's like you've you've succeeded you've you've won i mean yeah sort of you've won but then again like what was the competition i think it's really it's really hard to have these conversations because like yes we know that being skinny is an ideal but then again to a certain degree that is subjective so then sometimes when you ask someone with an eating disorder like why do you want to be skinny they have no idea they've lost all sight of that Mm -hmm. like that's not the priority anymore and it's just so thinness for the sake of thinness has become far too ingrained and it is really crucial that you ask yourself why you're afraid to be fat you have to ask yourself what it is about fatness that is so terrifying to you what it is that makes you so uncomfortable in your own skin and having those conversations with yourself i think is one of the only ways to really truly start to unlearn some of the you know violent um 
the violent fat phobia that is completely injected into all of us well i think the i think the obvious and like um conventional answer to like why why are you afraid to be fat is i don't want people i want to be perceived in a particular way yeah because you are more comfortable under patriarchy that way you know you're going to have a quote-unquote easier life because things come easier to skinny people yeah people get jobs you know not discriminated you know plane seats even for instance yeah. small tiny things like the world that. literally isn't built for fat people it's not built for fat people so why would you want to be fat you think that you don't want to be fat and you think that there's nothing more terrifying than being fat but the happiest i've ever been is when i was, was almost the fattest i've ever been yeah. as in right now I used to be so much skinnier and I was actually talking to my friends about this the other day as in I got a flashback on my phone from like a year ago or two mm. years ago and it just like we all, we all just sat and looked at it and inspected that photo <laughs> and together we were like I don't ever remember me being that skinny like yeah. we were all like it it was never that drastic in any of our eyes but then in hindsight it's so glaringly obvious that there's a problem and then one of my friends she's i love her she's so perceptive and she'll know who she is when she's listening to this she asked me i feel like because you're so vocal about how much better you are now people completely assume that there is no trace of anything bad left in you Mm. and then she asked me but you know is there anything still wrong like how do you still feel about yourself particularly like your quote-unquote fatness like have you let go of that and I was like, honestly, I don't think I will ever 100% let go of that. Yeah. I don't think that is something I can let go of. Um, there's always, always, always a voice in my head. There's always a slight sense of being uncomfortable yeah. when I put on a certain outfit or I notice something or whatever. The only difference is now is that I have the mental strength and the tools to sort of ignore this or override this or be logical about this and be like, well, this is not worth my time, etc., etc., which I've had to train myself to do. But I think it's really, really naive to say that people who have suffered in this way, pretty much everyone, is completely fine. Like, I I always make a big song and dance of how much better I am now, which is completely true. But there is no way that I'm ever going to 100% let go of that because of the chokehold it has on all of us. Do you, when you, so when you got that flashback and you look at yourself, do you ever feel envious of your past self and of her body? Mm, It's a really hard one because I look at her and I'm like, you were so unhappy you were so the the first thing i can think of is i remember how you felt on that day i remember the struggles you were going through yeah and that far outweighs any way i could possibly look but i think my personal experience is a bit warped because even now as i said on my quote-unquote at my quote-unquote fattest i'm still not fat yeah if i were fat it would be a different story if because i'm not skinny like i'm not a skinny person but you're not fat but i'm not fat I, I know that like there's this really weird like happy medium of like being mid-sized like what is mid-sized is it a size know, 10 is it a size 16 yeah, i hate is, that whole narrative 10 is still skinny to oh, me. i know i know this is why i'm saying i hate the whole narrative but i am someone that falls in the middle of it so it i think that was really hard for me it was very hard for me to quantify like where i was and like use that on my journey yeah because i couldn't really i couldn't really go okay i'm fat i accept it i move on because i wasn't but then i also couldn't also go like i'm skinny let's just roll with it it. yeah because i wasn't either of them and i think representation is so important but then it's it's a really hard one because when we're talking about body positivity or fat representation we need fat people to be the forefront of that yeah then as a consequence people that kind of don't fulfill in either of the categories they are very underrepresented but i'm not saying i want them instead of fat people because i don't yeah but But i I, the thing is i think the whole conversation about mid-sized small fat it just needs to go yeah i don't think it's i don't think it's productive at all to be like i'm mid-sized she's fat she's skinny because at the end of the day it's just the whole point is we're trying to be neutral it's just a body yeah. and then like obviously when we're trying to pinpoint things to represent that's important but i also think nitpicking at it doesn't help anyone no it's almost the same idea as micro labels i exactly feel. so instead of trying to label what we are and trying yeah. to associate with something you it like it doesn't it doesn't make sense to be like you know i am mid-sized i can associate with this these are my people who look like me that it can be helpful sometimes yeah. you know when you have that representation it's really nice to be able to say yes they look like me and they are fine like it's not yeah. a scary thing but at the end of the day it, it's not important to dwell over it no completely not there is no need to quantify your like fatness because i feel like it's almost a justification it's almost you like a sh- like 
assuring yourself that it's okay because you're only a size 12 yeah do you know what i mean you're not that fat no you are fat but not that fat like it could be a lot worse yeah um and then when we have these conversations about eating disorders as we were saying fat people are just completely overlooked but fat people can still be completely like so suffering with anorexia or bulimia or binge eating and they'll be completely overlooked and you know when we think of anorexia we think of that like pale poor sickly weak little cassie girl or whatever Mm -hmm. but you could have a really fat person who's really suffering with anorexia anorexia. because they don't look like it no so then i think there's also a conversation where we need to have we need to have more education on what eating disorders look like because they don't look like anything yeah is is the bottom line here anyone can have it and it won't look like anything no. so there needs to be more signifying factors as to how to identify it rather than looks yeah because it's it's very rarely physical i mean obviously you can observe rapid weight loss but then weight yeah. loss isn't the only symptom of an eating disorder full stop i think the mental things and the sort of like habits and attitudes are the really important things to pinpoint so i think we should try and identify some of them now since we're talking about this i think if you were to look for physical obviously things like hair falling out Mm -hmm. um rapid weight loss with no sort of explanation people being all either possessive and high and shameful around their food as in they're hiding it they're hoarding it yeah it seems like they're not just naturally eating it they're doing something you know or there's a defensive conversation around it yep or when you question they get really defensive if someone can genuinely be like oh i'm just really not hungry today and then you see them the next day and they eat a proper meal chances are they're probably not struggling too much although you can never assume that Mm -hmm. but it is important to observe patterns yeah it is all about patterns another physical trait of bulimia is um like calluses on the knuckles or hands Mm. because obviously you're making yourself throw up all the time yeah um going to the toilet weird like at times after eating yeah it's just patterns and like watch out for your friends at that point you can have a conversation see what their response is like yeah but at that point there isn't much else you can do other than yeah. notice it and sometimes noticing it can be enough that's the thing i mean there are as, as i've said there are people that don't want to be noticed even though we still have to give them that because it is important for their health but there are people that are doing it as a form of self-destruction and they want someone to notice and assure them that they don't need to do that like there is there yeah, is it's definitely, like sometimes it's just a call for help it is a cry for help and this is the thing i think a lot of people diminish disordered eating patterns as in oh my god she made herself throw up so someone would notice Ugh. like how belittling attention. how fucking sad is that that she is so lonely and so uncomfortable and insecure yeah. that she has to go to such extreme measures to be taken seriously yeah that is as much of a problem and we got an anonymous message here that i'd really like to address yeah and i i, I feel like i've prefaced this in like quite an angry way <laughs> and i'd like to say that i'm not angry at this message i don't think they're a stupid person i think it is an insight that i can appreciate yeah. and i would just like to discuss it here so the message says I would never want to say that somebody is faking an eating disorder. However, the amount of people who claim to have these problems when in reality they do not take take the attention away from those who really do struggle and most likely are not talking about it. It feels like often eating disorders are seen and brought on by the idea of wanting to look like a character from Skins rather than actual struggle. I am very split between this message because I have two... I I agree with some of it and I disagree with a chunk of it because um yes i i agree that when people diminish eating disorders with throwaway comments things like oh my god i didn't have breakfast today i'm starving my little things that like okay yes maybe they're not actually having a disordered eating but they're saying things as maybe a call for help or may not even a call for help just a call for attention but there's also the that fact like we said like why are they doing it unless they actually need help and the whole thing like, oh, a character from Skins, just because someone wants to look like a character from Skins, if they're starving themselves to look like that, that's, that's still, still a problem. problem. That just, But the root of the problem, the way it starts, the way it is triggered, is not as important as the actual problem itself. Yeah, completely, completely. And just because, um, you know, maybe the motivation is to look like someone from Skins, mm-hmm. the, the problem is still there. So I don't think it's a fair assessment to say that they're you know faking i know they said that they weren't saying that someone was faking it but you know i don't think it's a fair assessment to say that that is not valid because yeah i think it is i also think it's really hard to tell whether people are you know quote unquote faking it or not because there are so many more people that are affected by being uncomfortable around food than we like to think there are Mm -hmm. as in i guarantee you there are people even on our poll 
I don't have we shared this poll yet which one the one about how so we asked our listeners basically how many of you have suffered from disordered eating we just wanted to get a sort of sample size and we obviously preface this by saying you do not have to answer this if you're not comfortable like this is not something you have to share and it is completely anonymous but still 70% of our listeners have struggled with disordered eating and that is huge and there are men amongst that too it's not just girls although is it really representative because we do not have as many male listeners exactly. as we do females so it's hard to tell whether that is a truly like accurate sample size or whatever but i still think it's it's it says quite a lot about yeah. the fact that so when you're looking at our demographic when you're looking at our audience the majority is women the majority is girls age 13 to 21 yeah and 70 percent of them have struggle with disordered eating i mean i don't know what else there is to say this this like demographic can be really harmful because there can sort of be like almost not a a bit of a herd mentality in that you almost egg each other on Mm. to be unhealthy eating disorders are competitive they're so competitive and there's a particular problem in all girls schools there is such a problem when you are all girls between the ages of 11 to 18 it's all girls secondary schools and you are all competing with one another to be the most un unlike unhealthy the most skinny so you can be taken seriously or whatever or even if it, that's not like the conscious thing you're thinking of like subconsciously there is always competition with someone else who is struggling with eating as much as we like to think there isn't and this is why it can be so easy and dangerous to like trauma bond or to share too much of something even though you're like well why it doesn't hurt for me to share this with them they already relate they already feel the way i do i'm not dragging them down further you are but but you they know that you know that you are competing with them even if you're not saying out loud if you're not doing out loud in your head yeah you're thinking and the thing is even if it's not conscious conversation you had you're still observing what they're eating and thinking "Mm, i can eat less than that yeah completely and that's why it's really hard when you plonk six people on a lunch table and mm-hmm. three of them are very unhappy with their body image yeah and then you're all look you're sort of like looking at each other's plates and the people that don't suffer like that's hard for them too because, because then, then you're, you're still... slightly uncomfortable eating a full meal and everyone else is eating nothing exactly and also there is a part of you that feels a responsibility to your friends to not only not make them uncomfortable but also you have to try and be beg them to eat exactly and it's it's just heightened in in a girl's school when that situation is like yeah pumped up by 20 and it's it's so rife yeah and i'm this is not like in no way shape or form is this like a blamey thing because i have this very distinct memory of like when i was really not doing well and i was like eating slash not eating at school at lunch Mm -hmm. like i obviously i wouldn't sit on my own i'd sit with my friends or a friend group and we just all sit together and there were a few of us that were struggling and they would literally just sit and be like please eat and they'd be like we're not gonna leave until you've eaten half of this bread roll and like their intentions were so pure they were nothing but good they were worried and they wanted to help and i do even though i know it wasn't my fault i do feel so guilty for putting them in that position still so so guilty but like it didn't help at the end of the is day. Is that not did traumatic it? to like it was sitting very at a table and six of your friends are going, eat, 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 because, eat. <laughs> because Because then what had happened is that not only was I now focused on what I was slash wasn't eating, yeah. the whole everyone table was focused was. on what I was And now you're focused eating. on the fact that everyone else is focused on the, what you've eaten and what you haven't yeah. eaten. And then when you're competitive anyway, you're like, well, I want to show them that like, yeah, that I'm, I'm serious, I mean it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I always, I always think, if, I always thought at the time, if there was a part of me that just caved and was like, fine, and then ate my dinner, they'd be like, what was all that fuss for? They'd give up on you. Yeah, yeah, completely. But then again, I didn't want their attention in the first place. So it's like, it's such a weird balance. Yeah. And this is why when you're dealing with someone or you're dealing with yourself and you're struggling this way, it is so important just to be flexible. There is no one size or f- one size fits all method to recovery. There's no road to recovery. There's no like appropriate way to deal with the situation it is really just what feels right and you or your friends or your mentors or your teachers are probably going to give you some advice that like fucks it up a little bit mm-hmm. because no one like truly knows how to no one knows what they're doing there is like no one knows what they're doing and that's okay but it is just important to be flexible and do what you think you can do like i think my best example is when i was my head of year was absolutely fantastic and she was really trying to support me and she saw me just sitting and staring at this bowl of food that I just wasn't going to eat. Mm-hmm. And she came up to me. She was like, you're not going to eat that, are you? I was like, no. So then she went and got me a yogurt and a cheese sandwich. And she was like, eat one of these. Yeah. And that was like the compromise. And I did. And then the next day I could do the same thing. 
and it is just about taking those baby steps Mm -hmm. because people that have never suffered like genuinely haven't suffered like as much as you can be sympathetic i really don't think you can be empathetic because like like there is just such a distinct like feeling and Mm -hmm. like and then Laurie Penny describes it as like a lizard brain. It's just hyper aware. Yeah. You, it can be one of two things. It can be hyper aware. You can be like so worried, like almost like even though you have no physical energy, you're just so like ramped up. Or you can be extremely lethargic, extremely like cut off, like no effort whatsoever. Yeah. And these two can make a very like dangerous like cocktail. And you can just, <laughs> this is why people with eating disorders are so d- detached from themselves. And you're like, you aren't yourself when you're ill. You, when you were ill, you just weren't you. Yeah. It's because you weren't like you had like two personalities and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about that road to recovery or, or lack of road mm-hmm. to recovery um what is the way that you would change your mindset because i know we've spoken about this in the in the in almost every episode we talk about your mindset your mindset is what's the most important your mind is what is basically controlling you you have an illness how do you how do you approach that well the thing is like when this is a this is a quote when you are anorexic your world shrinks to the size of a dinner plate like it's very easy to withdraw it's very easy to just shut down on all parts of life that were you know so vibrant before but you really have to like will yourself to believe that you deserve your place in this world Mm. and that you deserve to take up space to take up space you have to like really really like almost force yourself right um you but for that to happen you have to want to get better you really have to think about eating disorders you don't want to get better so how do you want to get better i think it is the like the most important part is to like really pay attention to how low you feel Mm. and really feel like pay attention to how it feels to just be so so low and know that there is a world where you don't feel like this and it's within your reach and you deserve to not feel like that and you completely deserve to feel about it um one of my favorite laurie penny quotes it's just it's just a like a a chapter title it's riot don't diet um i'll I'll read you this little paragraph because i love it society needs to acknowledge woman's hunger not just our hunger for the 2,500 calories a day we need to fuel us through full and interesting lives, but our hunger for life, for love, for expansion of our horizons, our hunger for passionate politics, our hunger to take up space and to live and act out of our own flesh. Public horror of female meat, society's sick fascination with eating disorders, is part of a structure of patriarchal capitalist control grounded on horror of women's physical power. Basically, ED culture is a form of oppression and violence against women. And we need to as a society acknowledge this and make allowances and create a space where women are allowed to once more be passionate and be vibrant it's weird how not only has the patriarchy made women not want to take up um you know like space within um science space within political spaces but actually physical space to the point that women are physically shrinking themselves yeah I mean, it's such a tangible manifestation of patriarchy and of control. And it would be very, very naive to pretend that sexism and misogyny does not link into this because it 100% does. It is what fuels it. It is what fuels it. And this desire to conform really does go hand in hand with it. As we said earlier in the episode, there will be resources and sources and stats and things in the description of the podcast as always so please do check that out um if you if this is something that you do feel very affected by please know that it is worth you taking the time to make your life better to take up space to be vibrant once more and that just having a conversation and confronting the way you feel is the first step to that again i just want to say thank you so much to everyone that um responded to our polls that sent anonymous messages we really really do appreciate it and we do take the time to read and appreciate every single message so even if we don't say it on the podcast please don't think that we don't appreciate no, it no we, we do we literally sit together and we read them and we just it never fails to amaze us that people will take the time out of their day to write us responses and to be vulnerable with us to yeah. trust us to to open up to us so thank you to that and please keep doing that we really really appreciate it yeah um again like charlotte said everything will be in the description and if there's anything else that you think that we need to put there that you think that was particularly helpful for you please also send that to us we are at instagram opinionated and underrated yes thank you so much for listening we'll be back in a fortnight with another episode we can't wait to see you again bye Bye, guys. guys